0: Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady, and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxy. Visit DeadSoxy.com and enter promo code REBELGROVE at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now. Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Neil McCready, Zach Barry of RebelGrove.com and RedCupRebellion.com with us as well. It's going to be a little shorter show today. Zach's got some stuff to do. It's 11:18 Central Daylight Time on the 28th. Zach's got some stuff to do uh, later today. I do as well. This is uh, podcast number two of four for me today. So I'm uh, talking my full head off and. Um, luckily i'm gonna let i'm gonna let zach do the majority of the talking in this one hopefully and um I'll, first before we get started we're gonna kind of update a little bit on recruiting we normally tape on thursday we're taping on tuesday this week because i've got the uh, rivals.com virtual publisher conference on thursday morning i'm extremely excited about it and uh it's gonna be great and um i'm a little concerned i gotta download some sort of new thing and get in and there's a test tomorrow, but I'm not going to be available to do it. So anyway, Thursday morning should be interesting. So I'm um, doing that on Thursday. So we're taping on Tuesday. Zach was kind enough to change his schedule around a little bit, but it does mean we have a smaller window. So we'll have a little fun with uh, with this today, hopefully. First, let me tell you about Dead Soxie. Summer has uh, certainly made its presence known. It's hot. It's humid. Record temperatures last week has cooled a little bit here this week, but it's still pretty muggy outside in other words, it's the perfect time for the dead Soxie no-shows. Nine new styles to choose from. You can find the style that fits your occasion. They're cool. They stay up. They don't slide down half your foot. They keep. They stop your foot from turning into a swamp. Uh, I love them. They're a game changer for me. I think you'll feel the same way. And you can use the promo code Grove at checkout. Get 30% off the best dress socks you've ever put on. Uh, you can also check out, they have several bundle packs that are still currently on sale. And you can use your promo code in addition to these already deep discounted prices and get you some new dead Soxies for really cheap. You'll absolutely love them. I absolutely promise. Go to deadsoxy.com, enter the promo code Rebel Grove at checkout and make your day a Soxy one. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, six, six, two, two, five, seven, 1900. Call the number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do. Let's hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the service. You'll love the uh, product. And uh, you'll love that Corey really cares. He wants to go the extra mile. He wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove to you what that means when you call the number 662-257-1900. Zach, how are you?
1: Neil, just uh, you know, yesterday was great. I, I relished in, uh, you know, it, I'd have, to, I'd like to go back. I'm gonna rewind a second here. I'd like to go back and count how many soft verbals we have started talking weather. But it's it's, people always say that that's like the go to when you're making small talk with somebody you don't know. But I know you. But I feel like it is a relevant topic to discuss when it's July in the South because what else you know. It it changes everything. It's yeah. It's just awful. But so yesterday I uh, got the grass cut. oh boy. Um, early afternoon. It it was it was hot. Um, it was one of those where I couldn't tell if I had like a bug or a spider on me or if it was just sweat that was just beating you know on my arm or my leg or something. But got it done and then man, at like five o'clock I guess five thirty. It was just an absolute monsoon here. And, I mean, I'm talking, the backyard was like a swamp. Like, it was just overflowing inside the patio. And, and man, it was, I mean, I was thinking I either had to go get a push broom or go get one of those, you know, pumps to just drain it because it was ridiculous. But uh, all of that to say, Neil, there is no better feeling than beating the rain cutting the grass
0: no there's no better feeling because you know well it's two things you know that had you not done it now you'd be delayed a couple of days and when you went oh. to mow it again it would be so thick on the flip side you swatch the rain and you go okay well my next time to mow just got moved up a day
1: yeah and it was i mean yeah you, you said it a couple of days as much as it rained i haven't been out there yet but i it's probably still wet i mean it was insane how hard it rained i mean it was raining sideways it was it was bad but uh yeah i was i was thinking to myself i was like i was mad about the water getting in you know the the patio but it was fine it eventually went out but i was like i was thinking i was like imagine how much how more mad i would have been if i hadn't got the the grass cut but yeah
0: so uh before we we go down our little 2016-2017 rabbit hole that we've talked about doing that people have asked for us to do? Yeah, anything new in, in recruiting over the last five days?
1: Uh, so I, I posted about it yesterday uh, in the Chicks. almost um, submitted an, a, an an offer to another quarterback target. Um, Riley Leonard, he's committed to Duke from Fairhope, Alabama. Uh, I think uh I think he he his film, I think is is impressive. I, he he's incredibly accurate. He's got a really quick release. And I told you, yesterday, because um, I got friend of the the podcast network, uh, David Morris helped us out there because he's yes. part of QB Country. Uh, I told you he's got a little bit of like a like a poor man's Trevor Lawrence when he's when he's running, really long stride, but uh, deceivingly fast, pretty uh. Pretty quick. I mean, he's, he's 6'4", 200-plus, but uh, he moves pretty well. Um, committed to Duke right now. I think that that's something to keep an eye on. It's Still, by all accounts, talking quarterback here, their number one target is still Luke Altmeyer, and it's going to be Luke Altmire until, I guess, Luke tells the staff to stop contacting him. He is, he is their guy. Um,
0: I've told this. There was a day uh, back in – I don't know. Several years ago, back before the pandemic, when we actually saw people, and um, I asked somebody close to the Ole Miss staff at the time, like you know who your who your quarterback targets, and the two names that came up were uh, Gauthier, the kid who's at uh, Gauthier, the kid who committed to South Carolina, who yep. actually was on the Ole Miss campus that day, mm-hmm. and uh, and Altmaier. Yeah. And at the time, I think it was the day Altmyer was visiting Florida State, and uh, there was a concern that, that he was probably going to commit, and he, he subsequently did. But um, I got the, the sense, and I'm, I'm kind of protecting sourcing here, I got the sense that Altmyer, if they could have any one quarterback in that class, he would be the guy they'd want. Now, he's got some – his I think his dad is one of the team doctors at Mississippi State or something along those lines. There's some connections there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think it's long been believed getting him to come to Ole Miss would be a, a really difficult pull. Um, but you know, we'll see. This is this is you know it, it's it's a it's a fascinating recruiting cycle that just gets more and more fascinating all the time. I was talking to Andy Staples yesterday on the Oxford Exxon podcast, and we were just talking about how difficult it's going to be for coaches. We were talking specifically about Lane Kiffin, but we talked about, you know, um, uh, the guy at Arkansas. We talked about Leeds. We talked about uh, Drink Drinkwits. Mm-hmm. What's the guy's name at Arkansas? His name's escaped me right now. Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman. I wanted to say Morris, but Morris used to be the coach at Baylor or somewhere. Uh, Sam Pittman, and he was talking about how, you know, Of those guys, Pittman might be the one who has a chance at having an advantage in a a scenario in which there is no evaluation period Mm -hmm. where you just have to do it. Because Pittman was at Georgia at a time when they were recruiting a lot of elite players and and maybe he saw some guys earlier in the process and remembered them and, and, and had a relationship and was able to pull off an upset or two. I don't know. We were just kind of, you know, we were just sort of spitballing, but certainly as it pertains to Ole Miss, it's a it's a marked disadvantage. And if they would able to, to win on a guy like Altmire, it that is that is beating it's kind of beating the shift in baseball a little bit, you know. They they've got you shifted over to the to the right side and when you hit it through the shift, you hit it so hard that the ball goes through the shift for a hit, you're like, Hey, that's a win. It's almost a double win. So I I really do think for a you know, a kiffin' Or a first-year coach at a new program, getting a kid like that uh, would be a, a double win on so many different so many ways because it's such an upset.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought Andy made a, a ton of great points on that show. I, I did. Uh, think you know he mentioned Sam Pittman and you know the advantage he has of being at Georgia when they recruit a ton of high high-profile kids. But I do think that Kiffin. Could have somewhat of an advantage here as well, just because of all the just the networking that he's done in the in the coaching world and the connections that he has. Um, you know, yeah, sure, he was in the NFL a long time ago, but I can tell you, he's still got some contacts there. And then you've got a guy like DJ Durkin on your staff that was just in the NFL, um, so they've they know plenty of people. I mean, they can talk to, um, you know, not only, and I'm speaking in terms of how they're preparing to go about training camp and, you know, kind of catering how they're going to do fall camp. I guess I should have said that before I, I was talking about this, but I think that that's, that's some, that was a great point that he brought up where, you know, college football needs to wait and see how training camp goes and how they kind of structure things and then kind of basically copy what they do. Cause the NFL is, you know, they're going to know what they're doing And then, in terms of like you said about Sam Pittman and scouting and all that, I think um, you know Kiffin has put together a really impressive staff. That um, you know you've got connections and ties to the Northeast, to the Midwest, to Florida, uh, out in California, Texas, Louisiana. They've got guys that have been recruiting or have been all over the place, and uh, I think that 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 lends. to uh, to helping them go about recruiting during this dead period that's seemingly not going to end.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think the dead period is anywhere close to its expiration point. Pardon the the pun. I I don't. I mean, I, I mean, realistically, as of today, and and God, I hope this changes for a number of reasons. But realistically, as of today, I don't see visits. I don't see the, the the kind of unofficial and official visits that, certainly that we've come accustomed to. I don't see those mm-hmm. happen. I don't see those happening this calendar year. Maybe, maybe January. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe December. I, I don't know. But I don't. I don't think it happens during the season if there's a season. And then I've had people ask. You know, like Andy and I talked about this a little bit, and we'll get off this topic quickly because people are fatigued by it. I am too. If there's no. Um, If there's no season, the next decision that has to be made very quickly by these schools is do you just shutter the doors for a while? And Mm -hmm. if you do, there is no recruiting for a while. Right. No one's even – I I haven't even thought about that until fairly recently. If you say, hey, we've got to save money by just closing down for a while and the NCAA goes, hey, we're just going to make this easy if there's no spring season, and I still don't think there will be, if there's no spring season – Let's just close it up. I don't. I don't know how that impacts things like a signing day or the next signing day. It gets. It gets weird fast. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I posted yesterday. Tyvoris Cooper, the defensive end from from Louisville, is uh, going to be dropping his top ten today. Uh, I expect Ole Miss to make that. Um, I posted yesterday on the board. I think it's going to be state and all this. I think it's going to be an in-state battle. Um, <clears throat> and then last thing here, I guess it's—is uh, it Nikki? Is it Chavanelli or Chavanel from Arkansas?
0: Uh, I think Chavanel because I, I helped with this. I I didn't I didn't publish it. I just she asked yeah, so, she asked for two hundred and fifty words. I wrote two hundred and fifty-two.
1: <laughs> yeah. So she she discussed the rec- the recruiting strategy for the first year guys, and we've talked about it a lot here. Um, but yeah, it's a good write-up. Go, go check the, the site. Um, go back on Monday's Chicks and give that a read if you haven't done so already. Oh, you posted uh, it?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's, she, she breaks it down. It's, it's pretty spot on. And then, yeah, like you said, you, you gave her a ton of information. But, but yeah, Sam Pittman, Drinkwitz, Leach, Kiffin, they've all got different strategies. Uh, so that I didn't
0: crazy. post it since I'm banned from that message board. I just figured, you know, Oh God, I forgot about that. Jeez. Yeah. I'm still banned from,
1: <sighs>
0: that's well, it's a weird look.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So,
0: Oh shoot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dink Jackson tweeted a bunch of Ole Miss stuff last night, four star linebacker out of Florida. Um, I don't know if anything's imminent there at all, but uh, I know that Kevin Smith and uh, Durkin and Partridge are recruiting him extremely hard. I think it's probably Ole in Florida State with Tennessee trying to get involved. That's probably probably uh, that situation there. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much been it.
0: All right, before we do our uh, our breakdown of – kind of what happened in 2016 slash 2017 and how things would have been different if something hadn't happened. Let me tell you real quickly about LB's Meat Market. LB's is open uh, seven days a week. They have daily lunch plate, plate lunches, I should say, Monday through Friday from 11 to 2.30. Fresh prime cuts, in-house made sausages, fresh Gulf seafood, so much more. If you're not going to LB's Meat Market and you live around Oxford, something's wrong with you. And if you're not going to LB's meat market and you stop into Oxford here and there, you're really missing out. Uh, Freshest cuts, like I said, bone-in ribeyes, pork, chicken, the house-made sausages, the seafood, um, stuffed jalapenos, the stuffed mushrooms, everything is absolutely fantastic. First class, Greg Jones and the people there, are wonderful. You'll love it too. 662-259-2999, Right across the street from uh, Kroger in Oxford. All right, Zach. Um, as you know, you probably remember this. It was not that long about three years ago. Uh, was it twenty? Was it July of twenty seventeen? Yeah. When when um, <laughs> Hugh Freeze was fired at Ole Miss,
1: July twentieth, he 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 resigned. Neil.
0: Like I said, when he was fired at at (laughs) Ole Miss. And um, (laughs) it was a crazy day. You talk about a crazy – have I ever told you the real quick story of how how that was for me? So I was at SEC Media Days the week before, which would have been about the 13th.
1: -hmm.
0: And Carson came with me to that SEC Media Days because he was going to UAB soccer camp during the day. And then hanging with me at night. And uh, we got I got to Birmingham, got him to camp. And one of those mornings, I got a call that was like, hey, you heard about freeze and some phone calls? And I was like, no. Started digging around. Thought it was kind of bogus at first, you know, but you learn in this business, check rumors. And mm-hmm. um, the rumors seem to have a little life to them. I checked with some people at Ole Miss. I was told, oh, no, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. And um, this all happened like on a – Freeze's day to go was a Thursday. Freeze was going to go Thursday morning, and Carson and I had a flight out of Birmingham into Baltimore later that Thursday. And on that Wednesday, I got wind that uh, – man there's something to this and i did not go into the sec media days i got carson to the soccer camp got back to my hotel and started working and worked and talked to all i talked to mark Schleybaugh, i talked to edward ashoff i talked to all these national people that were working on this story and i thought this is going to blow up and Mm -hmm. i fully anticipated that wednesday night uh, laura my wife her sister lives in birmingham and i said hey could could carson come stay with y'all um Carson, come stay with y'all tonight so I can work. Just in case this is crazy, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yeah." And so he didn't. He didn't go to the soccer camp on Thursday. He just skipped the last day, and and um, I worked that night. And someone at Ole Miss said, "Yeah, Freeze is coming tomorrow to Birmingham. We hope it's not another Tunsil." And I was like, "If you think it could even possibly be another Tunsil, why yeah. would you, why would you bring him?" But they brought him to Birmingham, and quite frankly, it was one of Hugh Freeze's best media performances. He was absolutely locked in that day. He got asked a question about his phone calls, said there was nothing to it, the university looked into it, blah, 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 and it went away. And I remember thinking on that Thursday night, I'm like, ah, I guess there's nothing really to it. I was, mm-hmm. told, I was told by people at Ole Miss, yeah, we've dug into it, we've, che- we've checked it out, there's just nothing there. Okay. so i fly to baltimore we catch the great tra- great airport by the way it is an awesome airport we, we catch the the train to dc mm-hmm. and carson and i go uh we're we are in uh we're in dc on on friday we do it uh, one of one of my cousins works at the capitol and so we get a tour of the capitol and we get a tour of the white house and we get a tour of all this stuff and um, you know, it was pretty cool for me. I'm a history guy. I love all that, and, and I think Carson kind of liked it. And then on on Saturday, he and I went back to Baltimore and we went to the Cubs Orioles game. And on Sunday, we woke up in DC, and we were gonna go to like Mount Vernon and stuff. And he was acting a little sulky. And I'm like, "What is it?" And he finally admits, "I want to go back to the the Cubs game." And so we hop in a, a Uber. And take the Uber to Baltimore. I buy tickets on the way there. We go see what turned out to be Jose Quintana's Cub debut. We come back to DC that um, that night on an Uber, which no, we took the train back, and we went and had dinner with my cousin. And on Monday, we we flew home. And so I'm thinking it's kind of blown off. And frankly, that four days, I didn't even work on the story at all, and didn't get one call about it, Zach. That story went away. Story went away and so the day that freeze got fired or resigned as, as you're more politely put it i took carson to a movie it was like planet of the apes does something i can't remember what it was and uh, man that movie gets started and my phone starts blowing up and carson's kind of getting a little pissy at me he's like dad get off your phone and the text are, is freeze quitting <laughs> and i'm like whoa uh, and i'm like hey carson i'll be right back and i, I hated doing it but it's my job and I, I go out into the lobby and i start making some calls and i'm like oh shit couldn't figure it all yeah. out but sure enough man by the time he and i got home from the theater which is five minutes from here i knew it was breaking i knew the press conference was going to happen the whole deal so anyway you and i were talking the other day about how it would all be different if that had not happened, if either those calls had not been made, if Freeze had not had the extracurricular activity, or if Steve Robertson hadn't found out about it. Mm -hmm. If that had not happened, I think you and I both agree that Hugh Freeze would have coached the 2017 season. Right? Yeah. And so we were talking about how we think that season had Freeze coached it would have completely changed. And again, we're not taking the NCAA thing out; that's still going on. That season would have completely changed the trajectory of the Ole Miss program.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I'm assuming you're with me on this that the win and the wins and losses totals aren't changing much.
0: All right, in 2017, I'll go through it. That season. Ole Miss opened the, the season with a 47-27 win over South Alabama, and I, I think it's safe to say Hugh Freeze would have led Ole Miss to a win over the Jaguars that, that day as well. Mm-hmm. The next game, Ole Miss uh, defeated Tennessee Martin 45-23. to I think it's safe to say that uh, Hugh Freeze would have won that game as well. So at this point, they're still 2-0. and A week later, this is where I think it would have gotten really weird. I think the story would have become – Caustic at this point. A week later, Ole Miss went out to Berkeley and they lost twenty-seven to sixteen. But that's not really what I remember about that week. That was a week where we spent it in the um, what was that? The it's like a Hampton Inn and Suites or an it was an Embassy Suites, Embassy Suites in Covington, okay. Kentucky, right across the the bridge. Oh yeah, from Cincinnati. Yeah. And Hugh Freeze would have been forced. To as the head coach, as Matt Luke was, I mean, Matt Luke was never involved in the NCAA stuff. And he had to be in right. Co- he had to be in Covington the entire time. Hugh Freeze, as a sitting SEC football coach, would have had to have been in Covington the entire time, and I think the media coverage of Freeze would have been much different. I think it would have been a tre- a, a, a tremendous distraction for his team, for himself, for his coaching staff. And I think Ole Miss. i bet some people say, "Oh, well, Hugh would have won in Cal." I disagree. I think Hugh would absolutely have lost that game in Berkeley.
1: Yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. I think, um, I mean, hell, I thought that I thought Ole Miss just got beat. Then I, I thought that um, I thought Justin Wilcox and his defense had a plan, and Ole Miss didn't have a rebuttal. They didn't have they didn't have a counter counterpunch to uh, their haymaker, if you will. Um, it's a weird, you know, time zone, you know, all the body clock stuff, Yeah, all that. I, I don't think Hugh being the coach makes a difference there at all.
0: So here's where I think it starts to shift. Okay. This was the year Phil Longo was the offensive coordinator. And I think Hugh Freeze hired Phil Longo to demote Phil Longo. He'd gotten rid of Dan Werner because Dan was like, Hey, I'm not going to do this if I can't be the offensive coordinator, truly the offensive coordinator. And Hugh was not going to do that. And so Werner was gone. And he brings in Longo. You, you,
1: you mean to tell me Dan wasn't cool with only getting to call plays on two downs out of four?
0: I am here to tell you that. Okay. Um. So they bring in Longo. And at this point, this would have been week four, and Ole Miss went to Alabama. Alabama won that game 66-3. I, I got to tell you, having watched that game, I don't think the result would have been a hell of a lot different had Hugh Freeze coached it. It might actually have been worse because I think Saban would have liked to have taken a pound of flesh from Freeze at that point. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think Saban had a taste for Matt Luke's hide.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, but I do believe the following. I think we would have started to hear rumblings about Freeze taking over the offense. Luke never really did that, even though he was very frustrated with Longo by this point. Yeah. Ole Miss goes to Auburn the next week loses 44-23. to If you remember, it was that game that Auburn just beat the hell out of them. And then Ole Miss kind of came back late and they used it as this rallying point. Okay? Right. And at the time, I thought, what a load of crap. I mean, I remember thinking, Matt, you're not fooling anybody with this. But I do think in hindsight, they really did sort of rally at that point. Yeah,
1: I think you can definitely make a case for... Matt Luke winning over the team. To where I think it, it it was very clear where the season was headed, but all jokes aside and and you know, look, he didn't win a lot of games, but Matt Luke had a way about speaking to players and getting through to them. And I think yeah. that, that was that was that post-game he got to that team.
0: And and, and he, his staff liked him too, Zach. Yeah. His yeah. staff liked him too, so they showed up for work. That next Monday, ready to go. I'm not completely convinced that Freeze wouldn't have lost this team right around this point in the season. Ole Miss on October the 14th that year beats Vanderbilt 57 to 35. I think Freeze would have won that game. I don't know that it would have been in as impressive a fashion as it were as it was, and I don't know that the program would have had any the team, I should say. Would have had a little bit of momentum the way that that team did. That team went into the LSU game on October the twenty-first, actually thinking it had a chance to win. I don't know that that would have been mm-hmm. the case with a freeze, Longo controversy, the NCAA stuff still right there. there. There would have been a lot. There would have been a lot there working against them at this point.
1: Right, and I think that's a that's a great point because I think look, Matt was frustrated. You only score three against Alabama. Then you get whipped against Auburn. Uh, I think at that point, he, he won the team over. The staff came back to work. I think Matt did a did a, jo- a nice job of just letting Phil do his thing. Because, look, all the Ole Miss put up tons of yards and tons of points with Phil Longo. Now, when it was against a defense that they could manage, like Vanderbilt, who's not a number one Alabama, who's not a number 12 Auburn, who's not a 24 LSU – they're gonna blister you. I mean, Shea Patterson that day looked like the Shea Patterson, the five star Shea Patterson they recruited. And I mean, you, you, you hang a, a fifty burger on Vandy, which is what you're supposed to do. That's you beat beat a team like that the way you're supposed to. And then so yeah, ton of momentum going into next week for the Magnolia Bowl. And I think uh regardless of, you know, winning or losing the rest of the way, um, that team was gonna was gonna play hard from Matt Luke.
0: Yeah. So they, go they, don't, in, they don't do that if it's Hugh. No, Absolutely no. Not. They go into the LSU game. It's the game that Shea Patterson gets hurt. Yep. A 40-24 to 24 loss uh, at home against the Tigers on October the 21st. Then the next week, Jordan Tamo is the quarterback. They play Arkansas at home. The game that, that in the real world should have been the end for Matt Luke. It, it turned out not to be, but, but right. should have been. Uh, Ole Miss blows a big lead, loses to uh, Brett Bielema and the Razorbacks, thirty-eight to thirty-seven, on October the twenty-eighth. That should have been should should have been the killer.
1: That was that was the sign where it's like, okay, he doesn't, he's not ready. Because yeah. cause that was the late Jordan Tiamu fumble, yeah. and they had no business telling him to do a five-step drop. It should have just been let's kill clock. Hand the ball off to somebody, and yeah.
0: And this is where I think the next week, November the fourth, <laughs> it got turned on its head. It did. November the fourth, which was a day that um, <laughs> it's a day that we put out a hot board where I taught, I, I granted anonymity to about thirty people, <laughs> and I let them tell me about the Ole Miss job. And it ended up being a really good story. I was very proud of it. I spent hours and hours and hours and hours working on it. And uh, I tipped off Ross Bjork before it ran. I'm like, hey, I just wanted you to know that I did this story about this job. And I talked to a lot of people about the job and blah, blah, blah. And I I, I, I don't really give Matt much of a chance in it. And he essentially told me, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And, and so <laughs> Ole Miss beats Kentucky 37 to 34. And I don't think Hugh Freeze at this point in the season would have been able to guide that team to a comeback in Lexington. I really don't. I know it wasn't a great Kentucky team, but it was a solid Kentucky team. And that was a really big win for Matt Luke at the time. And I don't think Hugh Freeze would have won that game because I don't think the kids would have played hard. No, and and on the road,
1: this was a, a really tough Mark Stoops team. Like you said, they weren't good. Uh, and this was before they really knew how to use Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, but it was 17 17 at halftime. Or, or excuse me, 2017 Kentucky at halftime. And then Ole Miss scores 20 points in the, in the second half, uh, holds off Kentucky. I don't think, especially that last drive, I don't think Hugh Freeze, I, I think that was just a prime opportunity for him to just get cute and stupid on a last drive and you know, try some kind of wide receiver pass or just doing the complete opposite of what got you there type type deal. And yeah, I agree with you there. I because that's that's a that's a game where you absolutely see Longo and Hugh arguing on the sideline.
0: Yes. Absolutely. And it would have fallen apart. It's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss beats uh Louisiana Lafayette fifty to twenty two on November the eleventh that year. Sets up the uh, kind of what I viewed at the time as sort of a last stand. Uh, Ole Miss played uh, at home against Texas A and M, November the eighteenth. Lost thirty one to twenty four. That was the night that I got home. Zach and my phone blew up with Dave Doran calls, one after the other, one after the other. I had multiple people going, "Hey, are, are you have you have you looked into Dave Doran?" I'm like, "No, you should." I'm like okay, and and by the end of the day, I was like, oh wow, this is real. And sure enough, on that Monday, I got some confirmation from Ole Miss people that yes, indeed, that was Dave Dorn was very real. And then Ole Miss goes on that uh, Thanksgiving, November the 23rd. They go, of course, to Starkville. You remember the game? Nick Fitzgerald suffers a broken leg. Ole Miss wins 31 to 28, builds a big lead, hangs on late to upset the Bulldogs. And the next day, the coaching search switch went from. Going to Raleigh to hire Dave Doran, to pressure internally from town people, from alums, from boosters, to hire Matt Luke. Jeffrey Vitter caved to that pressure. Told City, Ross, Hall, was, City Hall was very vocal. Absolutely. Um, Jeffrey Vitter told Ross Bjork to interview Matt Luke again. And uh, he did. Seriously, he interviewed him. Interviewed him on Friday, and then interviewed him on Saturday. And the Saturday interview was was uh, was not one that Bjork had planned. And uh, you know the rest. And so we get into this is where I get into our, our theory. How about ten minutes? Okay. If Hugh Freeze coaches that season, with all the NCAA stuff that was going on, I think they go no better than five and seven. I frankly think they go four and eight. And I think Hugh Freeze gets fired. I think Hugh Freeze, the football coach, gets fired, not Hugh Freeze, the man, gets fired. And while that would have cost Ole Miss some millions at that point, I think it's safe to say that they probably would have made some of those millions up because I don't – and this is not a knock on Matt Luke, and I I will never criticize Matt Luke. Matt Luke did nothing wrong. Matt Luke took a job that he was offered, and he he did the best he could. Uh, Matt Luke would have been far better off, in my opinion, getting a job like at South Alabama or someplace like that to start his head coaching career. Um, but I, I don't think Matt gets the gig in that scenario. As a matter of fact, I know he doesn't. They go outside, and I think they sort of wash their hands of this, and I think they get to a healthier place much sooner from a program standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think there would have been a ton of pressure. To go ahead and nip it in the bud there and go ahead and can Hugh Freeze after 2017. Because, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. It definitely at best five and seven, maybe four and eight if things just completely derail with Longo and him butting heads. But, yeah, I mean, with all the stuff going on in Civil A wise, it, it made a ton of sense to go ahead and and, and give him the boot. Um, I, I think offensively it would have been just a complete just disaster it would have been you know honestly the talent masked uh, a lot of that stuff it wasn't as bad but Dan Werner and and Hugh Freeze butted heads a lot argued about play calling argued about situational play calling Um, I, I think I think Dan took the high road several times and then eventually was like I'm done I can't do this um, I don't think that it's it's that cordial. I think that Phil Longo and Hugh Freeze are gonna gonna really get after each other, and then the defense was just a disaster. And yeah, I mean there were a ton of close games that we talked about Matt Luke winning the team over after that Auburn game. That's where you win those close games, I think. Just a lot of effort, a lot of want you know want to want to win for Matt Luke. They don't have that with Hugh Freeze, I think. It it soured real quick. I mean that, that sugar bowl felt like it was five years ago by that point. So um yeah, I mean I think it, and who knows where the program is now if you fire Hugh Freeze after the twenty seventeen season.
0: Who'd hired Dave Dorn? Dave Doran would have been
1: if if that if that happened, is Dave Doran the head coach right now? Yeah, I
0: think so. He'd be in year three. Yeah. And I, you know, while do I think Dave Doran was going to be some savior for Ole Miss football? I don't. What I think Dave Doran had going for him that Matt Luke did not, Dave had been a head coach at, I guess, Northern Mm -hmm. Illinois, at Wake Forest. He'd won at both of those places. I think he would have been a stabilizing factor. I don't think he would have come in with, I don't think they would have done the whole Mississippi made thing. I'll never forget the end of Matt Luke's. Press conference when he got the permanent job, he's like, oh, and I'm Mississippi made. And it was almost like he oh yeah, we're supposed to do that. And i remember thinking oh god, this is going to be a gimmick, and and it was. And I don't think gimmicks work in this league. Right. I don't think gimmicks work in this league. I think I think what works in this league is what Kiffin's trying to do, and I think that's what Doran would have done. Doran would have been Doran's a, a, a very good evaluator. He's known mm-hmm. as known as being a very good developer. Known as kind of being a no nonsense sort of coach. At a time when I think the program just needed to be stabilized, I think he would have done that. Do I think he would have won big at Ole Miss? No, probably not. Would people have gotten tired of it? I, I think there was a certain degree of. And if you think about it, this is kind of a compliment. He's he, he's kind of cut cliffian. Hmm. In, yeah. a, in a way, um, they would have been. They, they wouldn't have had these massive they, they would not have these gaps in recruiting that luke had where they don't have any defensive linemen where right, they, they yeah. didn't they didn't have linebackers they they loaded up on this but failed to get this I, that, and that i think that's all the product of a young coach and i th- here's the other thing that would have happened he would have come in and immediately brought in a completely new staff he would have would have been fresh yeah. fresh blood after that because luke's Ultimate downfall came as a result of loyalty. Mm-hmm. His ultimate downfall happened in his first day on the job. When he kept Wesley McGriff and he kept Phil Longo He yep, killed his he killed his credibility with this fan base by doing something that was only done because frankly he never thought he was getting the job until the moment that he got the job. Dave Dorn yeah. would never Dave Dorn would have come in and said, Hey, I'm I'm cleaning house bringing in my guys. I'm not loyal to any of you guys. I'm bringing in my guys. We're going to build up. We're going to build the program. The program was going to go through Rocky times in 18 and 19, no matter what. I think he probably would have maximized talent better in 18 than, than the old Miss staff did. 19 was going to be a rebuild 20 is going to be a rebuild. I think he would have had the program better positioned for 2021 than perhaps it's going to be positioned.
1: I think so too. I think, uh, and last couple things here. I think just being a complete, just complete shift, just night and day different. He's he's not, you know, he's not an Ole Miss guy. He he has no ties to the university. He, you know, everything would have been completely different. But yeah, he won twenty three games at Northern Illinois in two seasons. Went to an Access Bowl, and then, you know, at that point he had gone three and nine in his first season in NC state. And then he went eight and five, seven, and six, seven and six, nine and four. So you're hiring him coming off a nine and four season and a bowl win finishing second in the Atlantic. Um, yeah. would have brought in his own guys. It would have been a complete overhaul in terms of recruiting strategy, recruiting evaluations. It would have been about, can they, you know, can these guys make an impact in the program? It wouldn't have been about stars. It wouldn't have been any of that crap. And uh, last thing here, Neil, it, would have been a Kansas guy because Lane Kiffin was born in Kansas and uh, so was Dave Doran. So you would, you would have got your Kansas guy after all.
0: <laughs> there you go. Funny how it yeah. works. All right. We'll, uh, we'll wrap there. I told you it be a short one. Uh, Zach's got stuff to do. I do as well. So thank you for listening to this episode of the soft verbal podcast presented by dead Soxie. Don't forget DeadSoxy.com. promo code rebel Grove at checkout for 30% off. We'll be back in about nine days. Hopefully by then there'll be a little more recruiting stuff we can dive into until then. For Zach, I'm Neil. Take care.